Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined this week by Kelly Ryan Bailey, who's the founder and host of Let's Talk About Skills, Baby, the podcast. And uh, she's also the director of Open Skills at MC. Kelly, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you so much, Michael. So excited to be here with you today. Yeah, it's fantastic uh, to have you. As a fellow podcaster, I will say I've gotten a lot of value out of the stuff you're putting out there into the world. It's a, let's talk about skills, baby, is a fun title. It's a sign that you're not taking yourself too seriously, uh, but you're talking about some really interesting, relevant work, and, and you do it in a fun way. So I think all those things seem very similar to what I aspire to do with this show. So hopefully you feel uh, like you're among kindred spirits and hopefully our listeners will uh, we'll be ready to lean into what you got going on. But, uh, but to start, I'd love to begin by asking you for your origin story. How did you get to this point in your life and your career so that folks on a trend spotting show about education and learning would want to learn more about you? So the floor is yours. Uh, what got you to this point in your life? Firstly, thank you for those kind words. And I feel the same, like just about your podcast. I'm really enjoying it. I love all the new stuff you're about to embark upon as well. Let me tell you a little bit about my origin story, which actually started when I was in college. So I think for educators, this will be quite interesting, but maybe not a story that is a new story to be heard. I was in school and, and I was a traditional student for most respects. I went from high school directly into college. I went to College of Charleston in South Carolina. Yep, yep. <laughs> go, um, for, go. Cougars. Cougars. Cougars, there you go, yeah. yes, yes. But I was untraditional in the sense that I actually paid my way through school. So I was mm -hmm. working uh, four to five part-time jobs at any given time, going wow. to school yep. all year round because I couldn't take a full, even though I was almost at a full schedule, I needed to accommodate time for work. So yep. I tended to stick around like the 12 credit range and mm -hmm. just went all the time. Very middle-class traditional. I didn't grow up in extremely well-off household, yep. but like yep. we did okay. Yep. My father was a dentist and he pretty much paved the path for me. I was going to be a dentist and take over yep. his practice. And yep. I didn't really have much say in the matter. <laughs> I was signed up to complete three years of an undergraduate degree in biology and move right into dental school right, from right. there. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was at about two, two and a half years into this degree, I realized this is not for me. Um, yeah. On the plus side, I had been, I started working in his dental office. My family was just really big on working hard. Yeah, um, like and yeah. we, I started working there when I was about 10 years old, just wow. doing files. And then I moved on to insurance, helping actually mm. file insurance claims and, and learning all about that. I worked directly with the office manager. And then when I was 12, he trained me to be a dental assistant. Wow. And then I got back then you could become a dental assistant without actually going to get a certificate like you right. might today. I just right. got an x-ray certification and I was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So when I went to school, most of my jobs, I was lucky enough that I had this background. By the right. time I was in college, I didn't have to work in a restaurant, wait tables. I could make quite significantly more mm -hmm. working in these dental offices and for yep. oral surgeons and things. But yeah. what I realized was that because I got a chance to live that life, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. And right. Right. When I made this change, this was before everything was technically enabled. This was, we still had 
index cards in like a binder mm -hmm. in the career services office that no one ever knew where that was. It was like, and I thought, man, I really would love to work in New York City. This is mm. what was in my head. I, yeah. I had no, you know, concept of what I knew what marketing was from one of the classes. Right, I, right, right. But there was no, nothing that beyond like my hard research, you know, in LexisNexis. And there was no way for me to find out a ton of information. So when I made this shift, it was really difficult. And I knew financially I couldn't afford to go to school for any longer than that three year period. So yeah. like it was also a lot of going through the books and trying to navigate and yeah. make this change in my life. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was I graduated with a, a business degree at the end of all of this. Yep. I, I should probably go back and check to see if I actually qualified for that biology degree because yeah. now after what I've learned, I'm like, man, I was this close, <laughs> <laughs> but I never looked back. And when I graduated, <clears throat> just like the majority, I feel like this is the same story that we hear today. I, I, granted, it was right after 9-11. This is job, the job market had a downturn at that point. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I struggled to find work. And when I finally found a job, I was making, so the jobs were offering less than I was making by half of my part-time jobs. Wow, yeah. And I ended up moving back home. I couldn't afford rent. I couldn't, all of those things because I was like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do in life. This is the dream, right? This, at the time, I was working with adults. So one of my adult colleagues, her husband, who didn't have a college degree, was offered a job at a place, I remember this just like it was yesterday because I was in shock, um, to be honest. Mm -hmm. she, he was offered a job at Newcore Steel, which is about half an hour away from where we lived in Charleston. Mm -hmm. And he, they were going to put him through a work study program through yep. just right there on the job training. He was going to earn a certificate within six weeks and they offered him $80,000. Wow. Now for me, I was offered full-time job with a bachelor's degree, $28,000. Yeah. I realize this is a while ago, but still, and I was just in shock that yeah. there were other things besides what I knew about. Not that I don't think a bachelor's degree or education is important, right. just that for me and the time and place in my life and, and the uncertainty of where yeah. I wanted to go, that there was ever a consideration to go in other directions did not even dawn on me. Yeah, yeah. It also sounds because you had to earn your way through college, the return on investment was very front and center Completely. to you in the way that someone who had a full ride or had parents who were paying, like it's, it's a different Completely. scenario. So if you had to actually pay your own earned wages in order to get your degree, you want to get the right level of return on that. And then to hear that someone who really didn't go down that path can earn more than twice what you were earning, you could see how that would be uh, an eye opener uh, to say the oh, least. Yeah. And then I guess, that helped you drill in on the, the concept of, of skills and how the, the skills in the marketplace maybe mean different things depending on, continue your story. I don't, yeah, I no, don't no, mean no. to jump the gun. But you're, but you're right. The thing is that it didn't dawn on me right away. This event happened in my life and then I was just trying to find a job that made money and do what people do. And I was just thinking in my head that I would have made it when I got to wear a suit and work in a fancy yeah. office in New York City. That's right. what I really thought was the make it. Yep. And so when I actually did get a job in New York City a few years later and I wore the fancy suit yeah, and I was just this, uh, well, the job was actually with a subsidiary of Ronstadt. And so I was working um, with hiring managers and HR professionals to help them 
Ah. hire IT consultants. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment. So I thought, number one, I'm thinking like, this is the life. Uh, This is success. I'm right here. Uh And, and, but what I realized was, man, what was happening in terms of hiring. So I had seen this one view as a student, as a person trying to navigate life. And then I went smack into the completely opposite direction to see the challenges Mm -hmm. that these companies and these hiring managers Mm -hmm. and the miscommunication between hiring managers and HR to see this totally other world that was related to what I was experiencing was that's when it all really hit me that I was like, huh, because I'd sit there and I'd take these job wrecks, Mm -hmm. which was essentially them listing out all of the skills they thought they needed for that particular job. And I, there was no, iPad or anything. It was like full paper and yeah. pad. Yeah. And I'd be writing this down. And it was, we used to call it, which I think is still probably a term. It was like the unicorn yes. that they'd be looking for. Some people yes. call it a purple squirrel, but it was yeah. always this laundry list of skills that mm-hmm. had nothing to do with one another once right. you learn about these jobs. Yeah. And then they would be like, but I'd like them to have a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'd sit there and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is before the advent of big data and cuz like now those laundry lists can actually be mapped to these huge like the LinkedIn data set for example, like these huge data sets out there and that's a lot of what hiring and recruiting has become today, but this was 15 odd years ago, right? Yeah, this is a li- yeah, just about a little over 15 years ago, but it, and and it was just started. There were ATS systems, there were things, but we, and we had a system internally at Ronstad that we used. You had to be super creative at Boolean search to get through that system. It wasn't right. like it was today, right. but there were, it was the beginnings of it. Yep. And that's where, when I left from that particular job, because two and a half hours of a commute each way Oof. can only last for so long, no matter yeah. how old you are, it's yeah, exhausting. Yeah. Hard pass. I did an hour each way and it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it was a friend of mine down here in the, at the Jersey shore which was just a better in terms of commuting and all of that good stuff yeah. too. But Quality of life, yeah. yeah. It, it, they, he had this idea and it was a little before its time, but it was a really interesting idea on pay-per-click job postings. Mm-hmm. And so I joined him in this startup and, if, and I think we were like 10 of us, maybe there was a small group, young people. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up getting our hands on a failing startup. And that, essentially this failing startup, which was called Employon, was the first, they patented job scraping back in 2000. Mm -hmm. So this was really the first, even though they didn't call themselves a labor market analytics firm, this was really like the first of that kind of generation of let's try to figure out this data from a totally different perspective. Mm -hmm. And it was my client at the time who I still work with today was the state of New Jersey, Mm -hmm. um, was the department of labor. And it was like financial crisis hit in 2008. Mm. And all of a sudden everyone was scrambling and these skills and, and especially from my one client, Justina, these skills were to me, once I started to see the ideas which she was coming up with, because I wasn't even a data person or anything like that. So I didn't have any inkling. I knew enough. That was really my first breath into it, but just to see how this and to know from my experience and what I handle, and then to see that this could actually help, this could move the needle, yeah. this yeah. could help them just communicate better because a lot yeah. of it was so manual. There was mm-hmm. such an, it was so easy to miscommunicate. Yeah, a lot of inefficiency and waste and a lot of, a lot of like time wasted and money wasted. Lots of times 
big data is a solution in search of a problem, but this is a real problem that this started to to really streamline the employment pipeline. Yes. And it sounds like you were in a, a kind of bird's eye view to watch that whole industry emerge. Yeah, it was now that I look back at the time, you never know these things when you're yeah. doing them. Mm -hmm. But at the time I look back and I feel so fortunate mm -hmm. um, to have for all of the weird twists and turns to take me where they did because yeah. this, it, it cemented a passion in me to be able to see like there was something and I, and I must have realized this at an early age, but I just, again, you just, the things, the pieces don't fall together right yeah. away all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I realized was I really love helping people. Mm -hmm. And in that time, for me, being in the Northeast, when you experience something like 9-11, yeah. and especially the community where I lived, we lost, so, I'm yeah. so thankful not to have lost direct family mm -hmm. members, but yep. we lost so many yes. friends and people in our community. To see what happens in a moment of crisis when people come together and yes. help each other. Yep. And then again, the 2008 financial crisis was mm -hmm. like especially a hard hit yeah. on the Northeast area yeah. and to see these people that were struggling on unemployment now today with COVID, this right. is just a completely larger version of this. When you see people really struggling to put food on the table and take care of their families yes. and you figure out a way to help them, there is something about that that yeah. is a whole different level of feeling, but also like excitement, right? Yeah. And that's really how I felt about all of this. And it, it, this has not changed We've just come further along now, but that cemented this passion in me to figure out how can I help people that maybe because of life circumstance, mm -hmm. they weren't like dealt the luck that I was dealt, but even I felt, yeah, felt like I challenges. was dealt. Sure. This, yeah. There were still challenges. So if there's challenges, like how can we not help these people? And it's the same today. It mm -hmm. really is. It's just the unfortunate part about it is that we've come far along but we're still experiencing this. So yeah. I know that there's more to do, yeah. which just drives me more. It doesn't you know, make me sad or anything yeah. like that. It just drives me to know that there's still more that we can do, Yeah. but we've done so much so far. And it's, yeah. it's really just been a, a fantastic way to look about this. And I, I can't be any more thankful than to be a part of that small group yeah. that had these crazy ideas and, and took them somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And then that, that turned into MC or? Well, uh, yes, uh, I fast forwarded the story there a little yeah. bit. So we ended up creating the idea for the original analytics tool for job postings and we mm. sold that to Burning Glass. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and so then I was acquired, I was like one of two people that were acquired by Burning Glass. I, we, at the time, Burning Glass was a resume parsing company. So right. it was, but we really saw so much potential around taking this job data mm. and then the the supply data from like resumes yeah. and pulling that together. And, mm -hmm. and we all saw it burning mm -hmm. glass as well. Um, yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a really fun time. And then Justina from New Jersey came to join the team and it was fascinating. I was with them for a good eight or so years yep. in, in the whole scheme of things, helping build up their company. Mm -hmm. And when I left a little over four years ago, I left really because of a couple things like life circumstance. At the time I had just had my third child mm -hmm. and navigating being like a working parent. Yeah. Um, and again, these are in the moment, it was difficult. But when I look back, like this has actually helped me so much now to better understand struggles that mm -hmm. people have in their life and why they feel like they can't be successful in their career. Yeah. Uh, so I had that and I experienced that. 
And I needed to figure that out. I did some consulting directly for schools. Again, it was just bringing these passions together for me. Yeah. Um, here in uh, New York and New Jersey, I worked with Columbia for about a year. And then I, I worked on a few different projects with CUNY and a few others. But there was unfinished business. It was just, there was something about it. And so um, Justina ended up at MZ about three years prior to me ending up there. And she, she had always let me know, this is what we're working on. We can yeah. do this. And, yeah. and yeah. that's what got me. And I, I came here a little over a year ago to just continue along this fantastic work. MZ is such a wonderful organization. Yep. Um, they really focus. They also are owned by Strata Education Network, yep. very mission-focused organizations, mm -hmm. um, very mm -hmm. personally aligned with where my focus was. Because again, my focus is mainly that experience that I had in school. I really want people in general to be able to harness their power yeah. um, and yeah. be able to make better decisions in their life. Because it really, truly doesn't matter at what level you are, at how many challenges come your way. Like you can still yeah. be successful. Mm -hmm. And that just means understanding and navigating your life and your learning yeah. to be able to be successful. So they have like very aligned missions. And that's and that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And and the concept around what we do at MZ with this open skills, I'm really focused on open skills standards because like I said, when you go through, it's almost like a renovation. That's the way I would describe it is like when you've done this already, you see where there's things that could be done a little bit better. Like, oh man, I shouldn't have put that bulkhead there. Or, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like that where we're like, oh yeah, if we do it this way, mm -hmm. I think we can get further. And so we we're in this place where we can look at this with a slightly different lens. We realize that opening up some of this data that was initially really enclosed in these bubbles in various organizations yeah. is allowing more communication to happen broadly. And, mm -hmm. I, and the communication being the three circles around like people, education, which I tend to call like learning, but I, because that can happen outside of agreed. education. Yeah. I'm right? a big fan of learning despite the name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. then, and then it with employers. And I feel like as long as we can help them communicate better together, we can move the needle on just creating the better efficiencies in hiring and learning. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think this benefits employers and right. educators alike. You know, yeah. it's, it's one of those. So yeah. Yeah. I like the way you were pulling the pieces together as you told the story. I think they call it dramatic irony. Like frequently yes. the protagonist doesn't see the connections until later on in the narrative, but it does seem like, things have come together for you. So yeah. with that, let's talk about skills, baby, right? That's the next uh, piece in the narrative. That's the next active yeah. that, that you're, you've started relatively recently. Can you give us a little more perspective on what that is and what you're trying to do there? I would love to. This is all of this, like I said, is just such a passion for me. It, this all started, well, I, I think the idea started in March. I think I launched it. I want to say it was May. Maybe it was late April. Now again, yeah. this year, it's like yeah, the yeah. year of a thousand yeah. days. Months, months <laughs> count as years at least. Yes. Yes. This really came from, you, you've now heard my story of why skills and why I care about this. But another thing happened in my life and another reason why I made a change back in 2016 was that my daughter, my middle daughter, so I have three children, my middle daughter, who's now 10, I found out and she was diagnosed with dyslexia, ADHD, and anxiety. She was yep. in kindergarten, but I had seen the inklings prior to that. And 
unfortunately, it has been quite a challenge to advocate for her. But mm -hmm. in advocating for her um, within our, our school district, and also just seeing how she approached life and how people treated her mm -hmm. because she was different in yep. their minds. She didn't follow all the rules. She wasn't that child that sat there and kindly she was bouncing all around and, yeah, yeah. and she was labeled this bad child, mm -hmm. which she's not at all. Mm -hmm. If anyone that knows her, she's just the sweetest child. But to see this and through a child's perspective, it dawned on me the, her biggest issue was confidence mm -hmm. and low self-esteem. Yep. And there's something that sparked me. So I went through postpartum depression pretty awfully with all of my children, but especially badly after my third child was born. Yeah. Um, and it was ab about the same time that this was happening. So yeah. the interesting thing was to, to help, help her grow was also helping me grow. Makes sense. And it was in that moment that I realized there's a missing piece to what I'm focused on because I am focused on helping people figure out potential pathways that they can gain skills and they can, there's so many ways to navigate life to be successful. Yeah. Honestly, it's open-ended. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you don't believe that you can do it, right. Then it doesn't matter how many options we find for you and present to you and mm -hmm. give you the easiest ways to navigate. You won't do it. Right. And you won't do it because I've seen it happen. I've seen someone and, a, and I've seen it at an extremely young age and I've seen it in myself right. to know that you will just shut down. And that to me, even though most people wouldn't necessarily coin what I call about, talk about growth mindsets yeah. as skills, to mm -hmm. be honest, they're the most important skills in life. Yeah. And to, in order to grow, you have to put yourself into those difficult situations where you have yeah. to power through the imposter syndrome. You have this also why as parents, you have to encourage your kids to, to put that effort forward because a lot of it really is about grit and it is yeah. about doing the reps really to, to, to develop the skills. And, yes. and these are the types of things you talk about on your show uh, regularly. So if folks do want to mm -hmm track you and track this uh the show where should they go should they just yeah. look for uh, let's talk about skills baby where, where should they go yeah so it's on spotify it's under that title it's on spotify it's on apple and it's also on a youtube channel the recordings are done however you like to consume your media you've yeah. got you can listen you can watch yeah but we it is really a combination of these two pieces of my life, which is this ability to, I love talking with people about how they built their skills in yeah. life, what's made them successful and, and how they navigated that because it's so inspiring, everyone's story. Yeah. And then also to share in our world of skills, innovations that are happening, but also for everyday people to understand these innovations because they're truly helpful to yeah. how they can navigate their life too. It's a mixture of yeah. these two things, just these two passions meshed together into one arena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as we were setting up here, we were both uh, reflecting on, despite the fact that it seems like a kind of narrow through line in terms of skill development, in, in essence, it's all learning is skill development. Everything right. can be broken down into being skills-based. And the thing that's really interesting to me as a trend is the shelf life of skills and mm -hmm. the the fact that a lot of the skills that we're learning today, particularly the high in demand digital skills are gonna be 
outdated in the yeah. next three to five years, generally speaking. Do you have yeah. any perspective on that? Oh, definitely. And there is a ton of data that can show the same, but yeah. I'll just speak more generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way, the way the world is changing, digital skills, technical skills have that shorter shelf life. So yeah. I would say maybe even a little less than three to five years, yeah, but right, it depends. Right. Every area of the world might have a slightly different view on that, and that's yeah. how the data works. Right. But there are these skills, which again, you can call them a number of different things. I know you like to call them 21st century skills. Yeah. Um, we could call them resilient skills. That's what we yeah. call them here at MZ. Well, I like to say 21st century skills because we all got to pay those 21st century bills. It's like yep. a hook line. It's a hook line. That's why I say it. Yeah. I love it. No, I love it. Yeah. And, and, and I tend to call them life skills, but it's really in it, traditionally we would have referred to these as soft skills or transferable yeah. skills mm-hmm. because these are the skills that mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that are happening. Everyone can read all of the wonderful news out there in regards to automation, yep. um, in regards to the changing skills. We will always, as people in this society today, will have to adjust and change. You and I starting podcasts, things like that, new technologies. You just mentioned yeah. another one that you were trying like a different z- version of Zoom that you were yeah, trying. Yeah. And it's just a matter of as things change, you can quickly navigate and pivot. Mm-hmm. But the underlying set of skills that will carry you through always mm-hmm. will be the most, it seems very simple, but just the ability to communicate, just mm-hmm. the ability to write. Right. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. right. most employers, these are the skills that they find the hardest time filling. It is so fascinating to me. And these are the ones that I think most new grads today tend to not have as developed as a lot of the grads of the past. And and I would say for anyone, I think just happiness in life really comes down to this like positive thinking, Mm -hmm. being able to control, like we were talking about social and emotional learning, but that's essentially it. There's a thousand different phrases to, to call it, but really the power over your own mind. Yep is so important, your social IQ, as some yeah. people may say. Right. And then that ability to, to be able to adjust and be able to handle those things. COVID-19, sadly enough, this is a big deal, but yeah, yeah. there will be things in life that are a big deal and it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. And then to be able to quickly learn new digital skills is something the world is learning now in light of COVID. Yes. And then also being able to self-regulate and manage yourself be empathetic, be a good communicator, be a good teammate. The quote unquote soft skills, I really like the phrase transferable skills. I don't think I'd heard that before, but I like that because also soft is a little bit like, yeah, it's soft. I can ignore it. I know. They used to call it that because they were typically more feminine. Right, right. That's what they would refer to them as. Yeah, yeah. Which is they're just in almost every job field across the board. Those are the same skills that are required and that's why transferable skills because they transfer to any type of job you may be interested in but then even on the flip side the 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 less transferable skills are also frequently necessary like it's almost it's not an either or scenario like most things it's not an either or where you need to have the i get social emotional baby (laughs) side of things (laughs) there you go it's it's a i'm doing all my hooks for you but, but yeah, the, the other side, I think, is, is really important. It's just maybe that the shelf life is, is fast, so short, yes. which does argue also for continuing to learn throughout your life course, which is oh, yeah. one of the things that I think both you and I 
probably share at a more at a, about as fundamental a level as possible. I'm really passionate about this is that you don't stop learning once you get your diploma. And if you're not learning while you're on the job, you're going to soon be out of a job because the way the world works, the job you're doing today is not the job you're going to be doing in two to three years, even if you don't change job title or change job. Completely. The world changes. It reminds me of uh, Bill Taylor, the guy, one of the guys who was at Fast Company's HBR mm -hmm. uh, guy, but he likes to say, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? And I'd love that thought, although it's really scary these days because the world's changing so fast. Yes. Um, any perspective on that? I think that's just the way to look at it. I'm a huge proponent of lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get ourselves a little overwhelmed because we think that lifelong learning has to be something massive. Like I need to go back and get a master's at an Ivy yeah, League. Right. Um, I need to have a PhD. That's not necessarily what we mean. And I think it's easier if you look at it chunked down a little mm -hmm. bit. Lifelong learning is little things over time. I do gratefulness exercises every mm -hmm. day. And it's so funny because some days I've just been able to read a chapter of a book. Some days I've just read one person's tweet, you know? right, <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. Um, but I try to look for smaller learning opportunities every day. Yeah. Um, on a weekend when I learned to set up the podcast, it was like my kids actually have heard me say this so often that I've caught yeah. them saying it too. Like I'll come out of my office sometimes and I'm like, I'm so awesome. Cause I just <laughs> figured out something right. that I didn't know. Yeah. So sometimes it's not this huge thing. Like you've earned a certificate or this yeah. brand new degree. Sometimes you just learn how to make yourself an Instagram account and that's still learning. Yeah. And those are the things that we're talking about in terms of lifelong learning. Sometimes if you're looking to learn Python, that yeah. may require right. you to go and find yourself. There are so many ways to consume learning now. You've got thousands of free yeah. courses. You've got yeah. thousands of certified mm -hmm. courses. You've got all everything through any higher education yeah. provider. It's I almost mean, too much, really. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, sometimes it is a little overwhelming, but the point being that whatever it is that you need for the time that you have for mm -hmm. the, everyone has life responsibilities. Yeah. So whatever it is that you can fit into your life circumstance, I mm -hmm. swear yeah. it is available. Yeah. And you don't need to look at it as this huge looming, like I'm going to take years to yeah. move on to this degree. It's a little yeah. teeny. Uh, someone in one of my podcasts said something about micro innovations. And mm. that's just like the terminology that yeah. I use. It's mm. micro. As, as long as you are interested in learning something new, yeah. every day. Yeah. And it could be that smallest thing, that one chapter in that book that whatever little thing, and you just need to recognize that, oh, I did it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, and that's a big, that's a big insight. And I think it relates a little bit to the, the whole mindset idea where if you have this mindset that you're always hungry for new skills, you're always hungry to learn. And maybe you also have a maker's mindset where like you want to see, I did that. I've just made something. Yeah. Those are things that are beneficial in terms of the transferable skills that we were talking about before. I would like to pivot a little bit to the, the employer side of the equation. Yeah. Any trends emerging there? Any ways in which smart organizations are getting out ahead of these major disruptions by having a sharp orientation towards labor skills analytics? 
Yeah, there is actually, this is like the hot, in my perspective, this is the hottest area mm. right now. And it actually was pre-COVID. I'm not mm. going to lie. Like I really right. thought this was where the future was. Right. But a lot of organizations, what's not different from when I worked at Bromstad this 15-ish years ago, yeah. um, is that employers really don't necessarily understand the skills that their employees have. Right. They also don't necessarily understand because they don't have that visibility, they then it's difficult for them to know, do I upskill or reskill someone internally mm. or do I hire externally? Yeah. It actually costs an organization quite a significantly higher amount of money yeah. to hire someone externally than to build up internally. And yep. so at MZ, we called this build versus buy concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but this is just something that employers are really trying to understand and navigate right now. Yep. Yep. And there are numerous amounts of startups and yep. groups out there that are attempting to tackle this. At MZ, we are also working on some various technologies to help organizations do just the same thing. Um, Got it. Yep. We actually published a cybersecurity build versus buy concept report yep. not too long ago mm -hmm. um, to help organizations just know what is it, how would I even navigate this? But from a data perspective, it, it's it's not all that difficult to take the first step yeah. and implement just a few pieces of technology to give you this visibility. I know I saw a post the other day on LinkedIn and it was something to the effect of data is like oil. Mm. And then there were different layers of then you need to like refine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can't just gathering the data is this one step, but like the analytics is like the refinery of this. Mm. And I forgot mm. what the third one was, but it was just so it just made so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Fill her up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah exactly. Yeah. So there's data galore. It's just a matter of harnessing and using that. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue with employers. Like they just have their employee data is in so many various systems. Yeah. So it's just like encapsulating that, pulling it together and then analyzing that. And like I said, MZ has some really great tools that do that to really yeah. help you navigate. And it's, and I think in all honesty, it saves organizations a ton of money to have yeah. that understanding and more broadly. And then also for their pipeline externally to be able right. to build out and understand what they need on a regular yeah. basis. Mm -hmm. Things for them are changing so quickly. And that's why they're having trouble right. keeping up. Like all of a sudden someone will say like, what's R? Then to your point though, if they're not developing those skills, you're not building, the, you're not building, you're buying. There's not really any connection to the talent you're bringing in. You don't really understand what they're bringing. And then they're mm -hmm. likely to turn over faster than the people yep. you build. So if a lot of, there's a lot of, there've been a lot of conversations about how learning as a benefit is becoming a real, almost table stakes for organizations nowadays. Oh, yeah. 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 And the interesting thing about that is that the majority, I forget what the percentage is, but the majority of um, employees don't even take advantage of it. Right. I was chatting with someone the other day that, oh, at Coursera the other day mm -hmm. that had said they saw a spike when COVID first started. Uh, right. they, they have their consumer directly to consumer offerings, but then they have their directly to company offerings. The direct to consumer offerings, huge spike in sort of these like resilient um, yeah. forces, the yeah. growth mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Internally at organizations, it went down because people mm. were still scared. They thought, oh my gosh, what kind of label is that going to put on me mm. if I was to go and take this through my employer? And so they mm. actually went around and did mm. the this whatever communication it was to their employers. And then they started to see 
the huge spike when the employers turned around to their employees mm. and were like, no, this is okay. Like yeah. we're not going to be labeled negatively yeah. Yeah, for yeah. wanting to take courses that have to do with your mental health. Like mm. it is completely fine. But to be honest, the majority of employees don't take advantage. And even when they do, like you said, there are so many offerings, like how yeah. do I even know what direction? And so this concept of this personalized learning and career pathway yeah. internally at an organization, we, we have a match model here at MZ that really allows us to see what types of skills an employee currently has, yeah. what job postings look like at that organization. Yeah. Um, and then depending on what they might be interested in, and I say that and I really want to push on that a moment because happiness is not just the, what job does my employee, like we don't only want to think about from an employer inspect and perspective, what jobs can I fill? We want our employees to be happy yeah. because that's also what re retaining them. That's a huge yeah. part of it. Sure. So depending on what direction they're interested in going, you can almost offer up learning opportunities yes. that fit and fill the gaps mm -hmm. of where they want to go as opposed to just it's like google it's going on amazon and searching for white sheets i i actually had someone text me the other day they were like what white sheets do you have because i'm trying to buy them and there's i don't even know <laughs> the thread count the this is so yeah. many options and yeah. how learning can be sometimes sure. you don't even know what direction so it's this right it's personalized, but it's very prescriptive. Right. And so they don't have to be the ones that are, the employee doesn't have to be the one that knows it all. Yeah, yeah. We can just offer up the options on a silver platter, depending mm -hmm. on what direction, like here's your best options. Yeah. And every time you make a move, this is the coolest part to me. Every time you go in one direction, you take one bit of learning content, the skills that you have and what we call a skill shape, Mm. adjust and changes. And that means yes. your windows of opportunity also adjust and change. Right. Yep. So I think of like, when I envision this, it's almost like I carry this backpack and it's filled with my skills through yeah. life. Yeah. And then every little thing that I do, and this could be in work, this could be in life, this could be through some form formal learning. Yeah. We're adding these skills to our backpack. And if we don't understand what's in our backpack, yeah. then we don't understand what things we can do. Yeah. And, and we don't understand which skills build on each other. And yep. I love the, the idea of being data-driven and having on the organizational side, building a learning culture, culture, each strategy for lunch. Another one I, I like to just throw out there a lot. No, like, I, I totally agree. You know, totally. and, and, and I, I think you got to walk the walk as even as leaders too, like there is always, I've heard in different versions of this, but the, the most effective CEOs are reading constantly reading oh, yeah. books you know or at least I they feel have, like they, they say have, like at least a book a week I yeah mean, i think they might have staff who do it for them but that's a separate <laughs> point but uh, but yeah so this has been fantastic love the work that you're doing thank you very much for for coming on the show before we let you go the one thing i always like to ask my guests and maybe we've touched on some of it already but if you could just bring it home what other trends are you noticing in the world around you that you think are relevant are important are worth noting and open floor but i'd love to hear anything that's capturing your imagination these days man this is so, there are so many things and i don't think that surprises you at all mm -hmm. but i think what really is so interesting to me today is that and i think COVID has helped with this in one sense is that mental health is like right there in front of us everybody it's all out on yep. display right now we're living our lives out loud yeah, right. you and i were talking about kids earlier yeah um this the the fluidity of our life and the way that this has come together on a global scale as opposed to like when i was describing 9 11 before which yeah. it just happened to this one sure. little area or a couple little areas mm -hmm. 
this is like this massive effect that everyone is experiencing at the same time. And the empathy that's creating Mm -hmm. and the awareness that's creating for tons of the challenges that as the global society has been trying to solve for many years, um, that has captured my attention quite a lot because what that is allowing is for people to make innovations and Mm -hmm. to make changes at scale in a way that wasn't things were just moving at a snail's pace before. Yeah, yeah. And so in terms of those innovations, the things that I think stay, again, I, I feel like this is no surprise to you at all, but the movement of entrepreneurs, I think yes. is just, and just that mindset, whether you're internally an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, like an entrepreneur for an yes. organization or externally an entrepreneur or some mix of both, the way that's starting to really get a foothold at the younger ages and carry through in terms of education is just so, I'm like so happy for it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just what we described with these companies trying to navigate in a different way, create these different cultures. And what I would really say is it's this like adaptive culture because people interact in different ways, depending on the culture that they're in. And I think companies starting to recognize this and again, and, and it's really truly because a lot of this like mindset, mental, awareness that's happening that companies are realizing Mm -hmm. that they're going to have to change. And I would say one of the last ones I'll mention, although there's so many, it's hard to choose. Plus you have a podcast, people, you can't give it all away, Kelly. I know, I can't, I can't. But one more is that the the data, people data starting Mm. to go into the hands directly to people because Mm. the way that, and I think we're going to start to see a huge change in how higher education, educators, anyone who offers learning content is going to adjust because of how people will be able to make better decisions and also employers. Um, This sort of ability for the person to have their own wallet of information that they carry through life, I just think there's going to be a big necessary needed shift and that's going to be the epicenter of it. Wow. Amazing stuff. Really fun getting you on the show. Lots of lots of lessons learned, lots of insight around skills and the labor market, whether you're an employer, an educator, or uh, an employee, or just a human. Thanks so much uh, for being on the show, Kelly. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure. And for our listeners, uh, we'll be back again soon. Thanks as always for listening.